0: Well, um, here we are. Um, we find ourselves continuing in our summer series, and I've got a very small talk uh, this morning. Our summer series, From Me to You, and uh, it's entitled Thus, because uh, in this series, uh, the part that the preachers are bringing what the Lord has placed on their heart, a message from the Father to each one of us. And um, I've been away for the past couple of weeks, but just Denise spoke a couple of weeks ago on the kingdom and about letting go, and that was just such a great talk. If you miss that, you catch up. And last week, I found in Pastor Chris, dear Justice Stella, I just absolutely loved um, his talk on the Forgotten Father. Uh, and if you miss that, I'd like, I'd like you to listen to that. Uh, you know, I love the way Chris set that up about the fact that we can get so familiar and God say, I've got something else to show you. Uh, and just about how we, how we look at the Father. So I'll leave you with that and entice you enough to go and listen to that. So thank you for that wisdom and that words uh, last week, Chris. Uh, and this morning, uh, you know, for the past couple of weeks, I've been away just uh, on holiday, as you guys know, in Greece. And I've been thinking, Lord, what have you got for me to, uh, to speak when I come back? And uh, listening to the whisper of God, Chris mentioned that last week, And we were having breakfast one morning in the buffet area. Uh, Oh no, it was dinner, that was right. And Daniel, my little boy Daniel, was eating some sea bass. And he said, so uh, tell me, so fish do come from the water, is that right? And we said, yes, that is right, well done. And then Steph uh, said, it was like the story of Jesus when he uh, cooked fish for the disciples on a fire for breakfast. And I was like, oh, you know when you hear the whisper of God. Yeah, that is... That is just such a beautiful story. And I said, you know what, that's what the message is this morning. And so we're going to look at that. And it's just a beautiful story in John 21, 1 to 14. And we're going to look at that together. And just to set the scene before we look at this, Jesus had died and rose again on the third day. And, uh, and for a period of 40 days, Jesus appeared in his resurrected form. Did you know that? About 10 times to over 500 people. Uh, people, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, if you want to look at that, and here we have one of those occasions that Jesus appears, and it's just such a beautiful story, and you see the disciples, we find them in this kind of waiting period, a holding pattern, if you like, you know, it was amazing, they saw the resurrected Jesus, and now, well, what are we going to do, you know, Jesus had yet to issue the great commission and send them out, and so what do they do, well, they do what they know what to do, they fish, they fish. And so that's where we join the story, where Jesus appears, and as I said, it's in John 21, uh, 1 to 6. And what we're going to do, you know, I read a few uh, novels, some kind of thriller novels while I was away, and uh, there was a particular author that liked putting them in part one, part two, part three. That's nice. Each, every good story has three parts, right? So we're going to look at each part together, and we're going to look at part one, which is verses one to six, and it's entitled, The End of Ourselves. Part one, The End of Ourselves. So let's read this together. And then what I thought would be kind of nice, if that's all right, is just unpack it together. And I haven't got three points or five points. I just thought I'd talk through it and just see how this can relate to our lives today in 21st century St. Albans. So here we go. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two other disciples were together. So there's seven disciples here. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, or most translations now put it as children. Children, haven't you any fish? No, they answered, he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Oh, I love that. Here they are, the disciples. In this holding pattern, the night is drawing in. They're saying, well, what are we going to do? And good old Peter, the action man, action hero Peter says, I know, why don't we fish? That's what we know what to do. And, you know, as was custom in those days, they would fish at night so that they could go to the markets in the morning and sell the fish. Because it would arrive nice and cold. So they said, well, it's night time. Let's go fish. And they're like, why not? We've got nothing else to do. So they said, you know, we're professionals. Let's go do this thing. So they get into a boat. And who knows when the last time they fished. It might have been three years ago. So they get in there and then they start fishing. Yeah, we've got this. It starts getting darker. Uh, Peter, where's the fish? Oh, pfft, I don't know. They keep going. Maybe it's almost midnight. Uh, this is strange, we haven't got any prof- fish, we're professionals. What are we going to sell at the market? And they keep going. Maybe they get a bit agitated with each other. What well, is your idea. Well, I don't know, I don't know what else to do. We haven't got our marching orders yet. You know what, I, th- I suspect, as, it, as maybe as it went into the deep of the night, they re- recollected as friends the last time this happened. Because there is a parallel story at the very start of their journey, and you can see it in Luke 5.5. That's where they meet Jesus. You see, Jesus comes and speaks to everyone on the boat. And then afterwards, he says to these guys, hey, uh, why don't you put your boat down there and throw your nets into the deep? And at the time, Peter says, they said, we've been fishing all night and we haven't caught a thing. But hey, if you say so, we'll do it. And what happens? Loads of fish, so many that the nets break. And I reckon they're there thinking, man, this has got deja vu right now. But they would have said, but I wish Jesus was here now. <laughs> Do you remember he gave us some directions and we got all those fish? And I bet as friends, as seven of them, I would have done. We would have told stories of Jesus and wished that he was there. Where's Jesus when you need him? Where's Jesus when you need him? If only he was here, everything would be okay. Maybe... That's you this morning. Maybe you're in that place of being in that place. Indeed, don't we all have those seasons of what, we, what is called the dark night of the soul? Saint John of the Cross wrote that poem. By the way, it was about three years ago. Chris, you did an amazing talk on uh, the dark night of the soul. I think we're going to put it up as part of this series. I'd like you to listen. It. It's really fantastic. We all go through those seasons where it's almost as if God removes Himself. And it's in the pitch back of night. And we say, what are we doing? Nothing is happening. It should be. We're professionals. It's all like we get to the end of human endeavor. And we realize that we are human. But good news. Morning always breaks. Lamentations 3, 22, 23 His compassion fails not. It is anew every morning. Great is his faithfulness. You see, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, in other words, it doesn't say, even though you sit in there forever, (laughs) even though you walk through it, Jesus is there on the other end. That is his promise. And I want to say, if you recognize yourself with these disciples, it feels like you've been slogging it out and nothing is going right. You feel as if, where's Jesus? And you see what happens. I bet the accuser of the brethren... Satan comes in right as morning was about to break to these disciples. Well, that was a waste of three years, wasn't it? You should have been focusing on what you did best, fishing, because then you would have got a huge pool. What a waste of time that was. Your friends were right. You shouldn't be following Jesus. Where is he now for you? When the going's tough, he's not showing up. And maybe you hear that as well, just as these disciples did. You know, I, I, for me, I've had many dark nights of the soul. I remember I've told you many stories of, of how I've started businesses. And one particular business I started up, um, Shipping Easy, was. I uh, uh, had lots of partners in couriers. And, and I started that because God said, and you've heard this story, forgive me for replay, re- replaying it again. But God says, go, go put everything into it. Leave, your, leave your, your job and go set this business up. And I did that. And I think I got a bit cocky, if I was honest, because for the first six, eight months, things were going really well. Things were going well. The development was coming along. And, and all of a sudden, the couriers, before we launched, started pulling out. And all of a sudden, it was like the rug was pulled under my feet. And I was like, oh, I've caught no fish. I've caught no fish. And I got onto my knees. I remember it so well. And I cried out to God. I said, Lord, where are you? I thought I could do this on my own. But it turns out, I need you. And we chuckle and we laugh, but isn't it so true for us? It's probably just me. (laughs) But for many of us, there comes a point where God allows us to the the end of human endeavor, to realize we've caught no fish. And it's just as the heat goes on, let me tell you that breakthrough is about to come, because the enemy knows. And what do we see in this story? About 90 meters away, there stood a man. They didn't realize it was Jesus yet. And what does he say? Children. Children. Haven't you got any fish? I love that word, children. It's not that they were young, but they were his. Not that they were immature, but they had childlike faith. That is what God is requiring of us. And Jesus wasn't condemning the enemy would say, where's your fish? Jesus just says, you haven't caught any fish? Out of concern and out of love. And there are times when Jesus, when we get to the end of ourselves, will ask us that question. So how did it, how's it going? Now how did the disciples respond? If they had responded, no, we're fine, thank you very much. No, we got it covered. We're going to try again tomorrow. Jesus would have just said, okay. And I look back at my life, and I know there are moments that my pride has stopped me from saying to Jesus, okay, I need you. And I've missed out on blessings. I've missed out on what he's got for me because pride has got in the way of saying, I need you. But these disciples, the past three years, you know, three years ago, they put a little bit of a, well, hold on a minute. We've been trying this thing. None of that now. Their response was, okay, we'll put our nets in. You know, it's funny because I, uh, we had breakfast, I said, with the kids in this buffet area. And uh, lovely, lovely food, lots of watermelon, it's grease, of course. Some halloumi, all that kind of stuff. But lots of pastries and croissants. But they were slightly higher than the kids, so they couldn't quite reach. But, <laughs> now Daniel, my little boy Daniel, he had his set thing. Three croissants, chocolate spread, some watermelon and some waffles. I mean, he had it down pat, right? <laughs> but, the, but the first Brett, he'd be like, no, I've got this, Daddy. Would you like me to help you, son? No, I've got it. I've got it, Dad. And he tried, bless him. And as a father, I just stood back. I'll wait. Daddy, do you mind reaching those for me? I can't reach the croissants. For some of us, God's got some croissants for us. And he's just waiting. But our pride gets in the way. We've looked at the position, haven't we? Humility is the first one. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And what does Jesus say then? He says, go throw your nets on the other side. And they got 153 fish. 153. Now they counted. They would have counted. That's what fishermen do. Because they would have worked to how much that would have got at the market. 153. Wow, blessings upon blessings. Blessings always follows obedience. You know, for some of us, blessings are waiting, but we've yet to follow Jesus' instruction because it sounds crazy. Well, I've been trying it my way for a long time, so I don't think what you're saying is accurate, Lord. You know, that story, I got on my knees and I said, Lord, what am I going to do? He said, Right, Mark, go and represent to UPS. I was like, But I've already had that conversation with them. They said, No. I said, okay, if you want, I'll do it. So I worked on a presentation. I managed to get a meeting. And I went in there thinking, well, this is going to be a bit of a waste of time, Lord. But if you want me to throw my nets here, I'll do it. And guess what? They signed up. Because blessings follow obedience. Some of us, the instructions are waiting, but our pride is stopping us. But here go the disciples, 153. I love it. And that brings us to part two of this wonderful story. And that's verses, just one verse, seven to eight. And this part two is called Let It Go. Denise did such a great talk a couple of weeks ago about how we enter the kingdom of God by letting go of all of our stuff. And and this is what we see in part two of this story, this wonderful story. Let me read it. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is John, said to Peter, It is the Lord! As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. Let it go. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about 100 yards. I love it. They realize it's Jesus. And Peter lets it go. He jumps in the water. Now, can I tell you how I normally respond to blessings? This is how it works for me. Yes, I've got 153 fish. Thank you, Jesus. I'm off to the market. <laughs> because what did Peter realize? His blessings were an invitation for intimacy. Why? Because God's blessings are a revelation of his heart towards us. And I, you know, Steph and I were away on holiday and we, we were, we, one evening we were just sitting watching the water of the, the sea and saying, And we said, you know, I just don't think we're thankful enough to the Lord for what we have. But more than that, do we take enough time to say, thank you for the blessings, Lord, but we just want to be with you. And that's exactly what Peter did. He was like 153 fish times by 10, we could probably get, what, 1,530. He didn't think about that, he was all in. He let it go. He didn't care that he was going to get wet. He didn't care. I mean, 90 meters, let me tell you, 90 meters is quite far. 50 meters is an Olympic pool, so it's two of those, essentially, while we're on holiday. By the way, I, I thought I might come up here and give you my holiday snaps, but I thought, no, blow that. I just, <laughs> you'll find it very boring, another one of me posing. So uh, instead, I thought I'd tell you some stories, so <laughs> on, the, on where we were. There was about 300 meters out was an island with an amazing chapel on it. Centuries old. And that island used to be part of the island of Coz, which is where we were on, but there was an earthquake and it split out. Anyway, you can get a pedalo over there, but you can also swim 300 meters. So we all got a pedalo over there. It was great, wasn't it? It was good fun. And we get there and we, uh, we, we managed to crawl onto the, uh, the, the, the bank. And then we climb up. There's no like stairs. You kind of climb up this rocky rock face with all the kiddies. We managed to do it. And we get into the chapel. It is amazing. But when we came down, Ellie said, Daddy, I want to swim this. Now, Ellie is seven. Darling, that's 300 meters. Daddy, I've got this. She didn't care. She just wanted to get to the other side. So, our, so Steph and the other two went in the pedalo, and I swam with Ellie. Now, I was exhausted. I was very fortunate because, to be fair, half of the bay, you could, like, from my heart, you can kind of walk the 150. <laughs> Not Ellie, bless her. She had to go for it. But I was like this for the first 150. And I was like, oh, this is hard. second 150. I was like, this is hard, Ellie, darling. And I'm kind of walking like this. <laughs> you know, whew. But she's like, I've got it. I've got it. And seeing that determination, I'm so proud of her. But that's the kind of determination that Simon Peter had. And Simon Peter had an outer garment, 90 meters, because he just wanted one thing, Jesus. He didn't care that it was going to be hard. He didn't care that it was going to feel like it was so weighty. He didn't care about the blessings that he had just received. He didn't care about any of that because Jesus was enough. And I want to live my life like that. I want to live my life like that. Please, Lord Jesus, that's how I want to live my life. Jesus is enough. And no holding back. Now, it's interesting because back in Luke 5, 5, when Peter realized, when they'd thrown the nets over the side, this is very interesting. When Peter realized it was the Messiah, he said, Jesus, get away from me. I am a sinful man. But not this time. Why? You know, Chris last week said that we can face the fact that we're a sinner because we realize that Jesus is enough of what he's done on the cross. You see, when we first meet Jesus, the reality of sin comes to bear and we say, Lord, just get away from me, I'm a sinner. But as he cleanses us, what happens? We walk in relationship. And that's what we see on the second time. You see, he's in relationship with Jesus now. All the shame of, of, of um, denouncing Jesus three times that Jesus had predicted. None of that mattered. He could deal with the shame. He could deal with the guilt. He could deal with the, all the heartache because Jesus was enough. And in our lives, let me tell you guys, for those of you who have been Christians for many long, long years, you're mature Christians, and you, there, there could be something sometimes that holds you back because you carry this baggage of shame and guilt. But Jesus is saying, "I'm enough. don't worry." J- Peter disowned Jesus three times, and yet he was still able to let it go and jump in. And that brings us finally to part three, and that's entitled "This: From Blessings to Breakfast." And we read it in 9:13, and, and just this is just so beautiful. Let's read it together. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals with the, with the fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. It's that interesting. His blessings are not designed to break us. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish and we have come to the greater thing breakfast time why is breakfast with Jesus important? because blessings don't feed you like being with Jesus does blessings don't feed you like being with Jesus does two things he feeds us he's such a beautiful father our physical needs and our spiritual needs Isn't this amazing? Jesus would have thought, my children, they've been out there the whole night. They're tired. They're probably hungry. I'll make them breakfast. He had prepared the breakfast for them before they even asked. It's like Jesus said, I'll bring the fire, you bring the fish. Kind of interesting, isn't it? And so he takes care of our physical needs in this moment, revealing himself as Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And he says, I love it. He says, come and bring the fish you've got to. Let's let's do it together. (laughs) Jesus was the one that got them the fish. That's like giving, giving, isn't it, in Thanksgiving. We know it all comes from him anyway. But also our spiritual needs. Matthew 4.4, man does not live on bread alone, but on the very word of God. You see, not only were they being fed physically, but being fed spiritually. I'd like to invite the band up. You see, when the night was drawing in and Jesus was about to be crucified, and we celebrate that earlier, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. This is what I'm going to do on the cross for you. Now, with the sun rising, a new day approaching, a new season ahead, and a new chapter unfolding, what does he do? He takes the bread again. Love it. Symbolizing that he would always be with them, that he is the bread of life. And that is the promise for breakfast time with Jesus, for each one of us this morning. What an amazing encounter with Jesus, that he takes us from the dark night of the soul, that he pours out his blessings upon us, but even better, he draws us to intimacy with him. I'd like us to stand as we pray. Thank you, Lord. I feel like that there's really three three things the Lord wants to say and and I think this represents three three types of people that may be here this morning. The first of for those of you who that feel that you have been slogging it out and you've caught no fish. And Jesus has said a few times to you, haven't got any fish yet? But you've said, No, no, I've got it covered. Jesus is saying, Hey, I'm still here. You haven't blown it, I'm waiting patiently. If that's you this morning, just do business with God and say, Jesus, actually, I do need you. I do need you. And I want to encourage you from that place that morning always breaks. That Jesus is on the shore waiting for you. If that's you, do business with the Lord. The second group, I just feel as if many of you are just enjoying the blessings of God, but I want to tell you there's even more than the blessings. Because blessings can't feed you the way Jesus can. And for some of you, you've got so busy and you're enjoying the fruits as you should. God wants us to enjoy the blessing. But he's saying, are you making time for me? Are you worshipping me? Are you in my word? Are you soaking in my presence? And the third group are those way back, back in Luke 5.5. 5. You've heard about this Jesus and you've yet to say yes to him. Let me tell you, Jesus is enough for you. He died on the cross so that you can walk in everything that he has for you. And yes, it might feel like, what? This is the most scary thing I could ever contemplate or do. Let me tell you, it's the most amazing thing you can ever do, to say yes to Jesus. So if that's you, my right, your left, the team would love to pray with you as you say yes to Jesus. I'm going to pray now and then we're going to worship. Thank you, Lord speak to us in your word thank you that your word brings life and I pray for each one of us as we respond to this word as we worship you that you would do a new thing in us and for some of us that will require us to repent and that's not a dirty word that's a word of freedom it means turning away from our own way of thinking and and walking into what you have for us and so I pray you release freedom in this place Jesus release freedom in this place Lord We worship you. Thank you, Jesus.